I almost, I almost feel like taking my shoes off. That worship set was so anointed. And as I sat there, and I just want to share it before I get started. As I sat there, the words of nothing is impossible with God. I know that there are people here tonight that you, you wrestle with whether or not that is true. And I'm telling you, in a moment, he changes lives. This morning at base camp, we talked about how tomorrow, September 11th, and just like today, 15 years ago, people were standing around and talking and going about their life and talking to their spouse and their kids. And, and then the next day, everything changed forever. Just like that, everything can change. And I believe tonight, there's some people here that need to hear that. That in a moment, where you sit, yeah, you're in a room with a whole bunch of people. But in a sense, it's you and it's him. Here right now. So I would ask you that you open your heart and recognize that this isn't just another day. That you be prepared to hear from Jesus tonight. Amen? All right. Hey, my name is Steve Ruggiero. I'm standing in for Pastor Fred tonight. I want to echo... um, Vanessa's words about life groups. We had a promotion last week. We're doing the same thing, as she mentioned, after church. We have some amazing life groups. We have uh, Marvin and Sharon Thomas doing Enjoying the Second Half of Your Marriage, right? We have uh, Jessica Ashworth, name sounds familiar, my daughter. She's doing a woman's prayer group, Moving Mountains. We got the Muros doing Stephen Furtick's Greater. Um, Steve and Kim Walls are doing uh, Andrew Womack's financial stewardship, and my wife and I are doing Emotional Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. So I encourage you, come on out, put your name down, get some interest, and uh, get plugged in, okay? If you've been here for any amount of time, you know that we like participation moments at City Life. You don't want to hear me sit up here for 30, 40 minutes and talk. So I want to hear and learn a little bit about you. So I'm going to ask a question, and I'd like to hear from you, okay, about if I was at your house, what makes your house unique? What makes it yours? How do I know if I'm at your house and I'm at your house? Anyone want to share anything? Anyone? Well, Lori. See, she said it smells like pumpkin spice, and there's a reason she said that, because when Pastor Fred asked this question a couple years ago, my son Aaron just yelled out, it smells. And you know, you have to, there's some specificity requirements here, because my wife quickly followed up with, like pumpkin spice, right? You can't just leave it out there like that, right? I'm sorry. Anyone? Yes? Bodybuilding trophies. You don't see any of them at my house. Who's next? Yes? Coffee cups and kids' toys. Yes, Betsy. Coming into grandma's house. That's good, right? We can relate to that. Anyone else? What's at your house? Shannon. Uh, a whiteboard with Nathaniel's brain. <laughs> a whiteboard of Nathaniel's brain. <laughs> I, can only, I can only imagine what that looks like, right? Like an L.A. freeway. Anyone else? Yes. 
I'm sorry? Pictures of your family. That's a great one, right? Because if you have pictures of me at your house, we need to have a conversation. Yes. What is it? Dog slobber? Dog slobber. That's good, right? And I was like, I thought for sure. Yes, Dave. Stealer's stuff? Military pride. That's what I'm talking about. That's good. Yes. A classroom? Nice. See, that's how I just know. You're not going to see that at my house. Right? That's good stuff. That's how we know. You know, when my wife and I were in Germany, there were, I worked with an older gentleman, and, uh, and, and I was telling him my wife, it was early 90s, mid-90s, she, like, um, home interior, she decorated in country style. And I remember talking to him, saying, yeah, my wife, she decorates in country and type flavor, and he comes over, and, and he says to me at work the next day, ooh, country. I was kind of surprised. Like, as he was, like, straight up saying, ugh, I don't like it. I was like, okay, you know what I mean? It's our house. So I go to his house, and I walk in, and it's really dark, and it's all decorated in, like, medieval stuff. He even had a suit of armor in the corner. I kid you not. Battle axes on the wall, and he even had a flail. Does anyone know what a flail is? What is it? That's it. It's the club with the chain and the ball with the, right, with the spikes in it hanging on his wall, right? So I was like <laughs> a little scared, <laughs> but, but how, don't you know that just being at someone's house, it lets you know a little bit about them, right? I mean, if I go to someone's house and they have 20 cats, I know it's not my house. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with cats, but I don't have 20 of them, Right? So you just know, and I know that there may be some people here tonight that are wondering about this house, city life. What makes it different? Well, in a word, in a sentence, let me say, we at City Life, we want this house to look like his house. Amen? We want this to look like that. And anytime, anytime, we want something of ours to look like something of his, we go to the word for instruction. So before I do that, you know, this is the second half of Welcome Weekend, and, and the message is geared towards visitors and people wondering if they're going to make city life their home, but I want to say this. If you've been here a while you may have a tendency to, to maybe check out of these messages because you've heard them a million times. I heard that earlier. I would say this. I think that's why worship was the way it was. It's because whether this is your first time here or you've been part of City Life for a decade, I'm, I'm saying tonight, prepare your heart because God has something for you. Okay? Let's look at Matthew. 13.52. This is our core verse for tonight. Jesus said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household 
who brings out of his treasure things new and old. I want to talk about those four distinct parts of this scripture tonight. I want to break them down. I want to identify them, how they help describe what our house is like. And the first one we're going to look at is a disciple. We want to be a house of disciples. Did it change? If you were with us over the summer, you were here, you heard the Hot Sign Your Soul series, right? If you weren't, I encourage you to listen to the podcast because it breaks down our whole model of discipleship. Now, because we spoke about it all summer, I can probably go through and just just grab anyone, right? And just say, hey, stand up, tell me what the 1, the 6, the 12, and the 24 are, and you should be able to run through them all, right? Should we do that? Let's start right here. I'm only kidding. He's like, oh, look at me, right? <laughs> so it's, our, it's a discipleship model that we use, the 1, the 6, the 12, and 24. We base it off these four numbers. We're not numerologists, okay? It just helps us remember it. So I want to I give a short summary over what it is tonight for everybody, and, and especially the folks who are visiting. Because listen, discipleship, if we're not discipling people in the body of Christ, then we're handicapped. We're handicapping the kingdom. So let's look at that. Let's look at the first one, the invitation. Remember, we've got 1, 6, 12, 24. The first one is an invitation. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. There's a reason that I italicized the second half of that. Because before I came to Christ, I used to ask a lot of people to follow me. I used to make phone calls every weekend. Hey, what are we doing? Where are we going? I'd say, hey, come on over, follow me. Hey, what are we doing next weekend? Come on over, follow me. When we were out doing things that you know we shouldn't be doing, I was the one that was saying, follow me. And they did. But since I've been with Christ, since I've submitted my life, I've had to go back to those people and apologize. Because they followed me to places they shouldn't have. But I extended the invitation. But I ended it with follow me. This invitation to follow me as I follow Christ, that second half makes all the difference. And you know what? It's an invitation, the beginning of our discipleship map, and it is offered to everyone in this room. But guess what? You don't have to take it. But if you want to begin a journey to look like Jesus, then you're going to accept this invitation. Look. I don't doubt that earlier this week some of you said, hey, follow me to the golf course, follow me to the mall, right? Follow me to the movies, follow me to the restaurant. The challenging thing about this invitation to say, follow me as I follow Christ, I like it because it kind of goes back and forth between it's we initially take it as we accept an invitation, but then we have a requirement to offer it, Right? It may begin with us where we take, okay, yes, I'll accept the invitation, but eventually every one of us should not only be accepting that invitation, folks, we should be offering that invitation. So I want to challenge you tonight and say, can you say this? Can you add the second part? I know you can say the first part. Can you add the second part? 
Follow me as I follow Christ. Because if you're following me and I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. Right? We accept the invitation. Eventually, we offer the invitation. Follow me as I follow Christ. It's the beginning of our discipleship model. Second one, the six. The six commands. If I accept that invitation, then I have to obey the six commands of Jesus. The six commands of Jesus. Follow me. Just like he asked the disciples, hey, follow me. Love God. It's funny because at church we hear that a lot, right? Love God. And I think it just goes right over. I'm talking love God. Love him. And if you, if you love God, you're going to love people. It's a really strange dichotomy if you think that, hey, I love God, I just hate his people. I love him, I love spending time with him, but man, his church, oh. You're not gonna be able to love people. You're not if you don't love God. That's why the command is there. Be perfect. It's challenging, right? Perfect. Perfection. It's not necessarily perfection as much as it is direction. But here's a fact. You should be further to today than you were a week ago. That's what, we, that's what we want to challenge people as part of our discipleship model is. You may not be perfect, but if you're still struggling with the same sins that you were a year ago, there's a problem. Someone's not having a conversation with you. Somebody who says they love you are not having the courage to have the difficult conversation. They say, what are you doing? I know you. You said you want to be this person, but you're acting like this person. Jesus said, be perfect. It's like a, it's like a goal where we're going. Don't check out because you're not. We'll never be perfect down here. Go everywhere, command. Go everywhere. How can I love God and never leave my home? How can I love God and not tell anybody? How can I go to work and and meet different people and, and never say anything about my wife? I talk about her all the time because I love her. I talk about God because I love him. Love him, and you will go everywhere. And the last one is receive power. Receive power from the Spirit. That power is what flowed out of this worship team tonight, right into your seats. Amen? So if I accept the invitation, if you accept the invitation, and we have to obey these six commands, and they sound kind of daunting, right? I mean, it was a difficult day, long day, you know, and you're telling me to love people? How do I do that? I'm glad you asked. The 12, the 12, the 12 pathways. We talk about them, right? They need to become part of our vernacular, though. I think we hear Pastor Fred talk about them a lot, and then we just kind of go through them. But they, they need to become part of our life. We call them pathways, not, you know, they're traditionally called disciplines, and we need discipline. But it can sound kind of harsh, so we talk about them as pathways because they take us somewhere. 
you begin on that pathway of Scripture, and you're going to begin, it's like looking in a mirror. You're going to find things out about yourself. You're going to learn things about Jesus. You begin the journey of worship, and, and you feel things like fall off of you that been holding you down your whole life. We talked about life groups, part of the pathways, relationships. Okay? You know, Pastor Fred said, you got the gathering down tonight. But there's more than that. Begin to know these. Okay? Scripture, worship, prayer, fasting. Begin to know them. Relationships, accountability, rest. If you accept this invitation, then you have to obey those six commands. We obey those six commands by walking in these 12 pathways. And when we do, I promise you, you will begin to look like these 24 virtues. 24 virtues. And I just want to take a minute, and I want you to look at them. I want you to look at them like you're looking in a mirror. I want you to read them. I want you to ask yourself, is that me? Is that me? Does that reflect my life? On my last day, at my funeral, will they stand up here and say he was those 24 things? And you've heard us say before, see, we want to hang out with people like that. We want to marry people like that, right? We want our kids to be like that. That's how important they are. Because what if, what if one of them, just one, was off? I'm 95.8%. Isn't that an A where I come from? Right? I got 23 of the 24. Is that where you want your boss to be? Your spouse? Your friends? Would you be okay with Pastor Fred, the senior pastor, saying, what, what do you want, man? I got 23 of them. I just never forgive. See, here's the thing. On our journey of discipleship, when, when these things highlight red, all we want to do, all we're here together to do, is to come together and help overcome that. Because we know that when they're all black, it's Jesus. And we know that unforgiveness can hold us back from experiencing the life that he has for us. So when you look at them, I don't want you to memorize them, but I want you to look and say, is it me? And I can promise you that one or two may stand out to you. Don't let them all just get mixed together because when one of them is highlighted red, it makes a difference. What if it was your spouse? And what if that was the red one? Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind. <laughs> and I'm really grateful that you got me that. Right? I am. I can be patient. I can open my home and be hospitable. But I cheat on my wife. Is that okay? See, they're that important because that's who we want to be. Another, ooh, 
do we need to work on any of these? Any of them? Because when one of them stands out amongst the rest, listen, when one of them stands out amongst the rest, it changes your life forever. It changes your relationship. When you know somebody who has one of those highlighted red, it makes everything different. Inhospitable, arrogant, right? Think about it. I think we, we gloss over them. I want you to take a minute because you know what? It's a mirror. Which one? We want to come together and walk together and say, you know what? I got a few red. Let's walk together. Let's walk together and talk about it so they can all be. Okay? That's what we want to do. That's why this is so important. That's our discipleship model. Because if I accept the one, if I say, I'm going to follow you as you follow Christ, and I'm going to begin to obey those six commands by walking in these pathways, I can promise you, I even said this morning at base camp that if you continue on this discipleship journey with us, in three months, at best, people in your life that you speak with day in and day out are going to begin to say, something's different about you. Something's got to be different. You've been generous lately. You've been generous and humble. They should be changing all the time, amen? Folks, that's what we want at our house. There are over 1,300 churches in the Tidewater area. I looked up for it, Gamer. Obviously, and those are just the ones that are online that they listed. Why come here? Why here? Because we want to we look like that. And we're not afraid to talk about it. We're not afraid to have the hard conversations and say, let's come on. God has called us to a, to a better place than that. That's our discipleship model. And that's why it's so important. And that's why we talk about it all the time. Because we want people in your life to say, I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you. Let's talk about the second part. The second part of the verse. A head of a household. The NIV uses the word owner. Owner. We want to be a house of owners. Let me see a show of hands. Who in here has ever rented a car? Show of hands. Have you ever rented a car? <laughs> okay, you rented a car. Okay. Have you ever, when you had that car, got your McGuire's wax? I'm not talking about running a car through a car wash. I'm talking about the sponge in the bucket washing it from front to back, drying it with your chamois, getting the Meguiar's wax, the turtle wax. <sighs> all day long, right? Getting it all buffing it, cleaning all the windows, vacuuming out the inside, armor on the tires, shining the rims, who, and then taking it back to Avis. Who does that? Who does that with a rental car? Nobody, right? You know why? Because you don't own it. In fact... Most of the time, we almost mistreat it. Sometimes we test it like we wouldn't test our own car. It's not mine. 
So we take it to, it, it takes us to a place. We run it hard. We, put, we, we push a six-cylinder like an eight-banger Chevelle. It's not mine. Right? And then we drop it off. And we walk away. It's not mine. Hey, when was the last time you stayed at a motel or a hotel, and right before you checked out, you called the front desk and said, yo, can you bring the pledge up? Can you get me some Windex? Ah, Checkout's at 10.30. Let me clean these windows. I don't want to see a show of hands, but most of you don't even make the bed. Why? I'm just right in the room. I don't own it. It is. It isn't mine. That's a renter. Right? It's not mine. Renting homes. Even renting homes sometimes. If anything goes wrong, call the landlord. Any problems whatsoever, call the landlord. Something's wrong with the heat, call the landlord. Why? I'm not going to get in there. It isn't mine. I'm a renter. This house, our house, we want to be owners. We want to be a house of owners here. And there's a completely different mindset. See, I know the difference. You know why? Because I was a renter for many, many years. And you know when I rented at church, you know what I did? Come late, leave early. That was my MO, right? When you're a renter, I ain't hanging out. I come, God, got you, and I'm gone. Right? That's a renter. I know because I did it. Volunteer? Are you kidding me? I have stuff to do. That's what the pastor gets paid for. I volunteer. Let's go eat. Right? But when I became an owner, my mindset changed. Our mindsets change. Because as an owner, we begin to to invest and engage. Let me give you some examples of an ownership mentality. As an owner... I understand that my gifts, my talents, they're for doing God's work. That's why people like Nathaniel, like Ryan, like Dale Stevens, I was here and I saw them. Hard labor putting all this together. Okay, I don't know anything about building anything. But I can carry heavy things. How can I help? We know that the gifts and the talents that God gives us for building his kingdom, for investing in each other's lives. I don't just hoard it to myself and say, this is mine, this is mine, right? As an owner, I recognize that how all of this that goes on, 
This hasn't just happened. It needs people. So I sign up at least owners once a month to help pull off what we all enjoy so much here every Saturday night. See, I know because I was a renter. I didn't know how it got done. I just knew it was done. Right? I had the coffee, right? Throw away the styrofoam cup, right? Every week, people come, and they give of their time for the kingdom. Owners, they'll come at least once a month and serve to help pull off Saturday night service. We want to be a house of owners, don't we? Amen? I remember Pastor Fred standing down here during worship one time, got an amazing word, and I'm probably going to butcher it. But he came up and he stopped to serve, and he, and he felt like God said, see, the folks who are back there right now watching the kids, they're there, we get to be here. So then when they come in, they, they're partakers of what's happening at City Life. Those who never help but come here every week, they're not partakers. They're takers. Who wants to sign up to be called a taker? Right? It requires all of us to get to where God wants to take us. Owner mentality. It's my responsibility. I own the responsibility to be known and to know others. Right? How many times have you heard, you know what, I'm not going to that church anymore. Nobody ever calls me. I'm like, dude, did you ever give anyone your number? No. But they just don't. I mean, nobody comes to see me. Nobody calls me. You own it. There's life groups. Come early. Talk to people. Own the responsibility of being known. Stop pushing it off on people. That's what renters do. Owners say, you know what? I need to know more people. I need to get connected. You know? I remember when I first got here, everybody was talking to this guy, Scotty. I'm like, this dude's pretty popular, right? I didn't really know anybody, right? I'm like... He's working, he's doing a lot of stuff. I'm like, I gotta get to know this dude, Scotty Moriarty. Scotty, raise your hand. Right? So, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to become an owner of City Life. So I'm like, I gotta get to know that guy. So I was walking, I was like, hey, he's like, Bzz. I'm like, hey, Scotty. I went home, I said, babe, I don't think he likes me. <laughs> Today's one of my best friends. <laughs> right? I love him. He's one of my best friends. Right? But I kept, I got, what's going on, right? I want to get to know this guy. Not just because he's a Steeler fan. Look, owners, if I call City Life my home, if I'm going to wear this shirt, we should tithe to this church. We should tithe to this shirt. Amen? Right? I know there's a lot of ministries out there. I know there's a lot of church, right? Over 1,300. But this is our home. This is our house. And we need all of us to make it the best house it can be. We need to, we need to steward this thing well. 
And we need all of us to do that. All of us. Amen? Some of the pathways that help build an owner's mindset. Gathering. You're started. You're here. Generosity. Right? Think about it. Relationships. Life groups. And especially serving. We want visitors to know. We want people who come here to know. We're not just offering you a place on a pew. We want to give you a deed to our home. We want you to be part owners with us. Right? What can we do together? Unimaginable things for the kingdom if we come together in our house. Amen? Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. Next. This is good. This is so good. You're going to love this. Where do you see this one? It's amazing. Real. That's <laughs> so good. Listen, we want to be a house with new treasures. A house of new treasures. This is where a lot of churches experience a little bit of challenges. Because they make new treasures old treasures. And old treasures new treasures. So let's talk a little bit about what are some of the new treasures of City Life. This is important, though, because you're coming. You want to know, what, what do we like here at our house? Well, one of the things is the style of music. It's our style of music. Look, style of music's going to change, right? See, look, I'm not going to come here and ask you to listen to the bands that I listened to when I was young. Look. All I'm saying is I'm not like, hey, let's rock out to some striper. Right? God, soldiers under God's command. Right? To hell with the devil. I can sing you the songs. I'm not asking anybody to, let's worship with some striper. What's, before I go on, what's with this guy? I don't even know what that means, right? I showed this to who, Katie. She said, I thought, what would she say, Power Rangers? <laughs> I'm like, Power Rangers, do you know how hard these guys rocked? I mean, I'm talking, they shredded, right? But I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to do this. Boom. <laughs> That's our worship, Right? That's what I'm talking about. We're always going to worship, right? We're always going to worship. But the style and the way we do that is different, okay? And we say that we are, it's, it's like a generational tether, we call it. That our worship music here, it's for the next generation. People like me, old people, we had our time. Right? It was the heyday of Striper and Petra and Steve Camp and Farrell and Farrell and all those hard, you know? No. It's Chris House and Elevation. Right? That's who we are. We want to reach the next generation. We're not going to, we, we may not do that with great efficacy if it's Sandy Patty versus Jesus culture. I'm just saying. Could be wrong. I'm just saying. So always worship. We're always going to worship. 
The styles are going to change. It's a new treasure, right? Another new treasure. The times, the locations. We meet on Saturday nights at 5 o'clock. You know what? But who knows? If we grow, we might need two services on Saturday night. We might have to go to 4.30 and then another one at 6.30. We don't know. It's not sacred. The where and the when isn't divine. It's fluid and open for discussion. This is not open for discussion. Those who say, I I don't need the church. You've heard that, right? I, I don't need the church to go to heaven. No, you don't. But you'll never experience the fullness of life that God promises without it. So meeting like this, it's not open for discussion. The when and the where, sure. We can talk about it. You know, like our, even our missions. In 10 years, you know, we have a 10-year commitment to the DR. It, it could change. We have missionaries come in. It could change. we got to be open to that. <laughs> and another one, look. It, there's some great new technology. That's a new treasure. Like, we like it. I mean, like this thing. This is, they're just, I saw this at Best Buy. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking maybe this is something we, we might want to use. Right? Half of y'all don't even know what it is. They're like, what is that? It looks like a robot. What is that? Right? How many of you have actually been the one flipping the slides, right? Can I get an amen? Because I'm talking about, like, you know. Right? No. That's not who we are. We were a long time ago. Now, Ryan Nicholson, Zach, that's all of them, baby. They're all up there for you every week. New treasure. New technology. Something else comes out. We'll move on to that, okay? The last part. The last one. We want to be a house. One more. Sorry. One more. Of old treasures. The principles, the values that define us as a church will never change. Never. That's our old treasures. Question. Who can recite the core values of your company? Who knows them? Oh, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. Did you hear that? Let me show you what he said. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. What if, what if an Air Force member sworn to defend your country said, you know what? (laughs) I don't feel like showing integrity today. Today, I'm taking a day off from integrity. It's an integrity day off. Which means, as I'm working out on a flight line or doing whatever I do with an airplane, I'm just not, I'm not, not going to follow tech data, right? I might do a little some drugs beforehand, come to work, drink. I mean, what, I don't need any integrity today. Would you feel safe? What if they said, you know what, I'm not really concerned about excellence today. Today, good enough will be good enough. That's, that's my motto for the next week. Good enough is good enough. But these are core values because 
It, it lays a foundation for going forward. Integrity first, service before self, excellence in all we do. See, they make us know this. They want us to keep repeating it in our head so we get to know it, so we don't forget it. When, when, when? When we have to make a tough decision and we don't know which way to go, we have to have a place to go back to and our values do it. One of the old treasures at City Life, we want to be a church that reaches the undevoted, the disconnected, and the disciple. The undevoted, the people who don't even know Jesus, like everyone in here was at one time. But somebody, somebody told you about Jesus Christ. Everything changed. The disconnected, those, look, church can be a tough place. What do they say? She bite, I understand. So you end up leaving, I'm not going to that church anymore. We want to say, hey, come on to our house. We can help. We want to help you. You know? And the disciple, there's some who are very, they're spiritually mature. We don't want to forget them. We don't want to say, you're good, you got this. Right? Go home, read C.S. Lewis. You know? We want, to, we want to meet everybody. We want to help everybody. Another, we believe, old treasure, that couples are their best when they're in ministry together. That's important. That was new to us when we got here. A.W. Tozer's wife. When Tozer passed away, she remarried. And she said, Aiden, that's from the A, she said, Aiden loved Jesus Christ. But my new husband loves me. It was kind of, a, kind of a dig that, you know what, I, I, I get it, but maybe you had some things out of order. Maybe your ministry, you were doing all this, and she was left over there. We don't want to make church widows. We want people to do it together because they learn together. Amen? Another old treasure. There's no gender ceilings here. Your gifts make room for you. That's a common phrase here at your life because we believe that. There's no arm wrestling for, for, for power and authority. It's your gifts and your callings, male or female. We want to create an avenue for you to be all that God has for you. We'll always have financial objectivity and transparency. They're always open for everybody to see. Our books are always open. We'll always do that. So no one ever has to ask and wonder where their tithes and offerings are going to. Look, this isn't an exhaustive list, folks. I just wanted to touch on a few things to let you know what our house is like. So you would consider making this house your house, okay? That's what we want to do together. Can I have the worship band come back up, please? As they come back up, a couple more old treasures I want to share. The first... We believe in the goodness of God. We believe in the goodness of God. Psalm 27, 13 says this. I'm still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. At our base camp this morning, I had a conversation with a guy, and he said, I think one of my struggles is that I'm afraid that if I ask God to do something, he's going to say no to me. 
And I don't know what to do with his no. And I said, don't fear God's no. Because his heart is for you. He loves you. His no is to protect you. We believe in the goodness of who he is as a father. That he's not going to lead us down a path of, of destruction, but of life. That's who our father is. And you know what else? Along with the goodness of God, we believe in the potential of people. We believe. It gets hard sometimes because people can disappoint you. It can get difficult. Some of you know, a couple days ago, I celebrated my 32nd wedding anniversary. And I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. Because 16 years ago, my wife was considering divorcing me. Look at the testimony. Some of most of you know. If somebody didn't believe in the goodness of God, and maybe, just maybe, he can be different, then maybe I wouldn't be here. But somebody took the time, and they said, I believe in who he is and what you can be. And then I began to believe. I began to follow a path that has me standing before you 16 years later celebrating 32 years of marriage folks that's believing in the goodness of God and the potential of people nothing is impossible with God nothing and finally the centrality of the church if we're to change this world, if we're to make a difference, then ladies and gentlemen, we do it together. And we do it as a church, God's house, and your house. Let's worship.